Good evening and welcome to the Final Fantasy Wiki podcast, the official podcast of the Final Fantasy Wiki, the unofficial wiki about the series called Final Fantasy, which, uh, well, even though we're unofficial, we are still the very best encyclopedia of knowledge of Final Fantasy things and Final Fantasy doings and Final Fantasy opinions and all that other stuff. My name is Blue Highwind and I am your host here tonight at the Final Fantasy Wiki podcast. Because I play Final Fantasy. I'm a Final Fantasy fan, if you will. Also, this wiki is hosted by fandom, who are not Final Fantasy fans. They appropriate the culture of fandom <laughs> for their capitalist needs. Anyway, well, joining... some of them are. Yes. A small number of their staff are Final Fantasy fans. but Yeah, but you know. Not are enough they... of them. Fandom as a... You know, it is a output of capitalism but it also can be an input of capitalism anyway uh, joining mm. me is techno obliterator yes hello uh, unfortunately i am in a different country than usual and i have a different mic than usual so my quality is worse so i apologize but i have a lot to say today so i apologize even more you can just say you have a cold they'd buy it yeah <laughs> make us sound more professional and of course, the one, the only, some color mage. Hey, and unlike techno, I actually did have a cult that I'm just recovering from. <laughs> but you sound the same somehow. Yeah, I, I think, I think I got the worst of it. As except for a sometimes blockage in my throat, but it's okay. Yeah, so uh, it is December 2022, which means the year that we call 2022 in the Anno Domini calendar is uh, ending. So uh, how was your 2022, guys? Excellent. Uh, I got my first full job as a software engineer in the United States of America, which was extremely exciting. And uh, it's going well so far. Um, other than that, I mean, as far as, like, games of 2022, uh, it was, like, it was good, but I've had much less time to play them as a result of said job, but <laughs> there's my year in review. It was good. Okay. How was your Sun Color Mage? Eh, uh, it's been okay. Uh, moved house, got a better paying job, um kind of boring thankfully uh i guess boring is better than not boring these days in the times I we mean, live in I and mean, it's fucking better than last year um oh yeah <laughs> all right um uh, my 2022 was basically the same as my 2021 so i guess also oh, was boring. that bad no my 2021 was fine ultimately because i never got covid i lived my life as far as i wanted in 2021 i mean i never got covid i never stopped going to the office i never stopped going outside my life has mostly been the same no matter how much chaos has happened uh, i did go to hawaii i did climb the tallest mountain in the eastern part of this continent and uh let me think is there anything else that was cool about this year for me um not really i think that's it oh i got a girlfriend oh well congratulations but 
That was at the end of the year. Oh, yeah. No. Mazel tov. Hey. Hey. Okay, so that that's enough of uh, all that crap. Let's talk about oh, real Kendrick shit. Oh, Kendrick Lamar's album came out and was extremely good. There was a lot of good music this year. No, no, no. We got to talk about real shit now. All right. The important okay. shit. <laughs> yeah, because the Kendrick Lamar concert wasn't that important, clearly. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I saw Elton John in concert this year, speaking of concerts. Oh, nice. Yeah, no, I had a lot of... There was a lot of cool shit I did this year, but that's not real shit. Real shit is my fantasy team. It's <laughs> over. I was defeated. But anyway, no, real shit is uh, Final Fantasy. So, uh, want to do the news for the month of December? Yeah, yeah, there's, there's a decent amount this month. Yeah, let's start there. Uh, let's start with going back to... Da, 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 da. Um... Uh, no, that's not really the news I wanted to go through. Uh, Final Fantasy 16 has an official rating. It's been rated mature at the start of this month. We have a lot of Final Fantasy 16 to get through, but this is the first thing. I was rated mature for, uh, let me see, sex scenes, intentional deaths, torture scenes depicting suffering victims, drug use, propaganda, sexual content that is shown and discussed, and hate crimes. Oh, is that the Brazilian one? Yes, it is Brazil. Uh, I should I should have specified. Yeah, this Kotaku uh, reporting yeah, of Brazilian. Because, uh, yeah, like, later in the month, the ESRB rating came out, and it sounded you know, not extremely more tame, but still noticeably more tame than what was, uh, what was in there. Oh, here. Oh, yeah, I think I have it here. Uh, I am go- going to hold my tongue on my reaction to this piece of news because my reaction to the next piece of 16 news is completely different. So carry on. I, I have some quotes here. Uh, the uh, the little blurb is rated M for ma- rated M for mature, blood and gore, partial nudity, sexual themes, strong language, violence. Uh, there's some notes here, such as the words fuck and shit are heard in the game. Uh, sexual moaning sounds in a brothel. Fireballs. Melee-style combat. Uh, yeah. Uh, A guard's throat is slit by a knife. Also, there's slavery in this game, apparently. Yeah, so that's all fun. Lovely. Yeah, all all fun stuff. Lovely stuff. Uh, Yuji Naka is my next news report. Remember Yuji Naka? Oh, 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 shit, I nearly forgot about this one. <laughs> yeah, Yuji Naka was rearrested at the beginning of this month, and I believe was arrested a third time now? I haven't heard of the third arrest, but, uh, I mean, getting arrested twice over this is, uh, impressive, really. And hilarious. He was formally indicted, I believe, today. Oh, uh, really? Yes. Formally indicted following their arrest for alleged insider trading offenses. This is uh, due to the failed Final Fantasy VII spinoff, The First Soldier, and his insider knowledge uh, buying stock in the company that was making it. <laughs> Yuji Naka. Uh, yeah, so this uh, most recent count was... Uh... Uh, doing the exact same thing that he did with that Dragon Quest game, but with Final Fantasy VII, the first soldier. 
Yeah, you know. I think, uh, oh, Final Fantasy 16, back to that, is, uh, we did not know the official release date, but now we do. It's June 22nd, 2023. Yep. Mm -hmm. Also, right. there are many, many different versions, including the Standard Edition, the Deluxe Edition, which comes with a steel book and a cloth map of Vasilthea, the Digital Deluxe Edition, the Collector's Edition, which, um, how much is that? Do you know how much that collector's edition is, by the way? Um, hold on, they'll uh, bring up the uh, US Square Enix store. This one comes with a collector's box, the full game, a premium statue of Phoenix versus Ifrit, a metal icon pin collection, a steelbook, the cloth mac of Vasilthea, and the Blood Sword DLC, referencing Final Fantasy II. Were you able to find it some color match? Uh, uh, just give me a minute. I have to, like, change uh, country on this thing, like, 50 fucking times in order to get the correct store to show up. Darn uh, it. I I gave it my uh, wrong date of birth. <laughs> I'm trying to find it. Okay, here we go. ANUS. Um, uh, games. <sighs> Darn it. I, now it won't let me see it. Uh, I accidentally put my date of birth as this year, because, you know, 2022, and now I can't see it. It Oops. will not let me see it. Uh-oh. Okay, February. Everyone's got to sit here and listen while we figure this out. We need, the people need to know how expensive this damn thing is. $350. Okay. So, uh, how much? It's not as much as I thought it would be, but it's still a stupid amount of money. How much was that Final Fantasy VI uh, Figma with the Magitek armor that was like five feet tall? That was about. A uh, that one was way too expensive. Um, that was at least a grand. Uh, more than that. Is that is way more than that. Two, three grand. No. Ten grand. Yes. Eleven thousand. Ten grand. Eleven thousand five hundred forty-nine dollars and sixty-eight cents. Jesus fucking Christ. Depending on the exchange rate, which changes constantly, so it was at the time of that article was reporting. I think I'm gonna get the base Final Fantasy 16. I don't know about you guys. I am. I am gonna get the base Final Fantasy 16. I, might I got be... the slightly nicer version. You can't actually get the collector's edition in Australia. Um, no. Not that I wanted it, because I mean I got no room for that giant thing. Um. But, yeah, I, after uh, many tribulations, figuring out fucking online storefronts, because uh, you can't uh, order physically from uh, from Square Enix directly in Oceania. They, they just do not, uh, they just do not deliver here. So instead, uh, I had to look at a bunch of different game stores trying to figure out exactly which one had the deluxe edition because for some reason my normal shop didn't like they they offered the regular edition with a steelbook it's not the steelbook that square enix was advertising i don't know what the fuck is going on there <laughs> um well if you but, want yeah, the, I did uh, if you want the super insane deluxe edition i'll buy it for you and ship it to australia if you pay the bill but 
but no, I did eventually find uh, the uh, the uh, middle option. Uh, if I can dish name for too stupid. Um, anyway, you don't yes, want we, the I do have it. You don't want the Afrit versus no, I don't Phoenix. Want... No, I do not want that. This reminds me, my Miss Cloud Figma should probably be coming in a few months. I did buy that, I remember. I should really get one of those Figmas at some point, but I've just I've never gone around to it. Anyway, uh, Final Fantasy sixteen. Uh, now, there was one other thing of news. Do you remember the yes. Game Awards from a few weeks ago? The, uh, uh, the Jeff Neely anti-vaping show. Yes, yes, you know. The... the one that was interrupted by the fucking weirdo at the end. Yes, yes, the one where uh, the guy from um, Stargate did the acceptance speech and went on for 20 minutes. Well, poor, yep. rickety, just ancient-looking, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Don Cacino was there, looking like he could barely <laughs> stand. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, 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 I for one was was not expecting uh, Bill Clinton to be awarded Game of the Year. I, I don't even know how uh, how he managed to pull that one off. Yeah, you know, there's a uh, they're making lots of new games, including Earthblade, the new game from the creators from Celeste. So I'm very excited for that. But they're also making Final Fantasy 16, and there was a new trailer for that game. And Technobliterator, you were extremely excited for this. This trailer was fucking incredible. To the point where I am going to eat every single word I have ever said about this game on the previous podcast. I am now extremely, phenomenally excited for this game. Like, this trailer won me over. And then some. Phenomenal trailer. Um, I was extremely happy about it. And... You know what? There's still like a couple tiny little gripes. I don't really like that our next main character is gonna be another anime dude. But you know what? It's whatever. It's you know it is what it is. Because what we're still getting looks to me to be a phenomenal game. You know, it looks to be like a kind of Final Fantasy cross with Game of Thrones kind of situation, which is you know if anything like Twelve was going for that in a way. You know, the action on scene, like, the gameplay of it, I should say, the combat system looks exciting. The story looks really good, you know. And the world went from looking boring to me to looking extremely fucking interesting. Like, and I don't I don't know if I can really articulate, like, what it was about the trailer that caused me to have a totally different reaction from the previous ones it's just that the trailer gripped me from the very start and from the very start i was like oh oh wow this is actually really good and i had that feeling throughout the entire trailer and then i went back and reflected on it and i'm like you know what it still wouldn't be you know if i was directing a final fantasy from scratch as for what my perfect one would be I probably wouldn't go in this direction. But you know what? I don't care. I'm here for it. And I'm now... Like, I'm on the hype train for 16. And I could not say that before. Was it perhaps because Clive pets a dog in this trailer? Was that what made it? <laughs> that did help a lot. That was pretty <laughs> sweet. 
the it, that's an interesting response to me because yeah, while I was definitely <laughs> already on <clears throat> definitely already on board with this, it that that trailer didn't really strike me as particularly different. Yeah, see, that's see, there's been this really interesting reaction where, and, and I definitely noticed it on Twitter from what I was seeing from other people. Where, like, it seems to me the ones who had the strongest reaction to this were people in my camp who have now been won over, right? The people who were like, you know, we weren't against it, but we were skeptical of it. A lot of us have been won over, and we had a very strong, like, positive reaction to it. And the reaction from the people who were already been on board was mostly a sense of, oh, I'm glad they're now on our side. Like, you know, I'm glad they now, like, see it our way they've said it's like a kind of heartwarming reaction but a lot of them yeah would be underwhelmed but were like oh yeah you know i already knew this about the game kind of thing like if that makes sense whereas you know a lot of a lot of us like i know for a fact i'm not alone in this opinion because i've seen a lot of people share the same opinion of me of now i'm excited for it if that makes sense well, maybe maybe part of it is just awareness of of past works, because like, yeah, you know, I I have played Final Fantasy fourteen. I am already on board with a game written by the Heavensward writers. I have played Devil May Cry five. I am on board with uh, a game that's designed by a bunch of ex Capcom action game game directors. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like, I think that's definitely fair. And the reason why that alone wasn't as persuasive to people in my camp before was unfamiliarity with it. And the fact that we've, we know it's good because we've been told it's good, but we don't know what that looks like. So I played Final Fantasy XIV, the original, if I had time, and hopefully one day I will have time, we'll play it again. Uh, I, I didn't play past... I didn't really play past the Realm Reborn, so I'm not at all familiar with what the rest of the game is like. So, you know, I, all I know is everyone has told me this is really good. This is the best Final Fantasy story since uh, a lot of people have been saying since seven. But I, I think it means like since whichever one was your favorite, basically. <laughs> you know, I, I know it. everyone's told me that this is extremely, extremely good. But I don't know anything about what that looks like. So I'm going in with the mindset of, well, I know that it's going to be good because, like, you know, the the track record of the people behind it is a good track record. But I don't know if I'm going to like it. And now I know that I'm going to like it. Now, like, this trailer has convinced me I am going to enjoy this game. Is it going to be my favorite Final Fantasy of all time? Probably not. But I wouldn't be surprised if it makes the top five. I would not be surprised if it makes my top five. Like, that's how that's how much of a 180 I've done on this game. And uh, I was bought in on this game from the beginning, as you all know. And this trailer, I think, looks... I think this trailer looks especially awesome. I think it is everything I've liked in the other trailers, but a little more so. You saw Clive uh, air-juggling a monster at the beginning. Shiva's dropping, like icicle bombs upon an entire army he pets a dog clive does i mean it you know it's 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 definitely a bit more uh graph a bit more polished than the previous trailers but there still wasn't that much need to and it was 
mainly like I in think the first that's a trailer, lot to do a couple with it. of the blood effects were a bit wonky. No, I do think that is a lot to do with it because it is, from what I've been told, it isn't in line with how that studio reveals things. Because if you look at the first trailer that they ever did, it was basically like a Final Fantasy fourteen level graphics. Like the, it wasn't that. It clearly was very early stages of development and wasn't resembling what the final product's gonna look like. Yeah, we and were. I so well, it was. It's better than fourteen graphics, but it was like in engine. It was roughly on par with uh, with the parts of fourteen that are animated by Visual Works, which right. was impressive in and of itself. I remember at the time right. we were saying this game doesn't look that amazing, but we were almost like thinking we we're almost convincing ourselves it was a positive because we are fans. And this yeah. this looks like oh wow, finally a PlayStation Five game that'll use PlayStation Five horsepower. Yeah, since Ratchet and Clank, that's right. Or since yeah, Horizon like, Forbidden West, I guess. And that one too. Yeah, like you know, because I remember my reaction to the first trailer like in hindsight i was really underwhelmed by it like i just couldn't really articulate at th that at the time whereas this one because it's so far along and so far advanced in development and because it looks like to me the game just looks extremely exciting like that's the only way i can put it like you know it just looks exciting it's final fantasy tactics everything i like about that setting wise and the, you know, what I'm seeing from the action of it, whether it be, you know, gameplay mostly, but also in the cutscenes as well, it just looks exciting. Like, you know, it, yeah, I mean, I, I can't say enough, like, how much this trailer changed my mind on the game completely. And I know I'm not the only one. I also know there are some who, you know, were kind of set against the game and it's probably not going to be the one for them. And to those people, I say, that's okay, because we are very blessed as Final Fantasy fans to be having two mainline games this year. We've got Seven Rebirth coming out at the end of the year, and I'm uh... still more excited for Seven Rebirth, like, you know, because that's more to my personal tastes. But that's okay. That's what makes this series such a good series, is there's a Final Fantasy for every single person. Is Seven Rebirth actually confirmed to be coming out twenty twenty three? Well, it's it's winter, so it's like the December to February window. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it might be you know, it might be like it might be that they delay it till February. I wouldn't be shocked. But even then, like you know, two big games coming out in a very close proximity to each other. If you don't like one, the other's right around the corner. If Wait. you don't like the other, great, you got this one. Wait, we're forgetting a Final Fantasy. Forspoken. Forspoken's coming out next month. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's coming out next month. Yeah, oh, I that's do, right. Oh, and... yeah, I did play that demo. I should probably share my opinions. But do do we have anything more yeah, to say demo. about 16 before I steal the spotlight? I don't think so. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, I'm good. Yeah, I, I think that game's looked really cool. I love action RPGs. I love dark fantasy. I love boys with emotions so that that game seems to be hitting many many different things so for spoken there was a demo released uh at the day of the game awards and i did play that demo and um how 
How, how should I articulate my thoughts here? I, I guess... Oh, well, based on that reaction, has already been, like, that it was kind of mid. Like, well, no, you know, that, would be, think... that would be easier. It would be easier, I'd just be like, Oh, it's a fucking piece of shit! What a pile of fuck! Cowabunga, right, cow a like, fucking piece first... of dog shit! You know, that kind of thing. That'd be easy. Um, like, if your first reaction was like, Oh, actually, I played the demo, I really liked it. Or your first reaction was, Oh, I played the demo, it sucked that. Then that yeah. would tell us a lot, but the fact that you're saying like, "Oh, I don't know how to say this," suggests to me it's somewhere in the mid range. It is somewhere in the mid range. Okay, so okay. this demo is kind of just like an hour slice of you doing side quests in the open world kind of thing. So you know, there's crafting and there's fortresses with enemies in them that you can clear, and all that kind of structure does nothing for me anymore. Just like as a person. Uh, but the gameplay is actually pretty damn good. Like, oh, okay. Running around as the girl from the new um, Charlie's Angels movies and going and throwing magic around and beating a crap out of enemies who are really not difficult at all, it plays so much better than Final Fantasy XV did. And it still kind of has the same loose sense of automated... Like, am I really dodging or not? I can see some numbers coming off of me, even though I'm pretty sure I dodged. It kind of has that deal. But you have a ton of attacks. You have a ton of different kinds of attacks. You can go and knock the enemy and seal them to the ground for a little while. You can summon a turret. Uh, you have different ways of throwing rocks at them. You have fire abilities, which I didn't even realize until after the demo when I was watching other people play, that there was a way you could switch from your elements. So I'm like, why is it all rock stuff? Why am I an Earthmancer? And apparently, no, there's fire, there's water, there's everything there. And being the crap out of uh, zombies and birds and all sorts of stuff, it, it there's a good game here. But the structure of a 100-hour RPG, I don't know. There's no story in this demo whatsoever, which has kind of been my big question mark. Because it is an isekai, you are the girl from the Charlie H. the Angels movies, and you get sucked yeah. into this world, but it's like, what world are you, what story are you telling? That's and really isn't, weird. Uh, like, our most recent real indicator of the quality of the writing that uh, one Twitter ad does everyone pilloried? Ella Belinska is this actress's name. I'm sorry, what were you saying? I'm just thinking, like, I mean, so... What kind of indicators do we have of what the writing is like? It says that that one horrible Twitter ad. No, it's not like uh, that. It is like you have a little guy that's like your ring or your wrist like band that's talking to you. And this dude never shuts the fuck up. Like it is almost as bad as that high on life game. Where uh, Justin Roiland just does his uh, his friggin' uh, Rick and Morty voice and makes bad jokes, like it is nonstop. Oh, it's like Tales of Arise level. However, one of the first oh, things God. I did it, it has been it has been decades since Ocarina of Time came out, and we still have not fucking learned from Navi. If anything, it's much worse than Navi. But there is a setting in the game that you can find where you can go and shut him up. It was one of the first things I did. Nice. Um, I will say, based on your reaction, it leads me towards, I'll probably buy it on sale. Like, which is a good, a more positive than negative reaction, because negative would be I wouldn't even buy it. But, um, I'll say based on that, like, 
So first of all, the whole like, oh, you know, we're doing a demo where you can play the game, but the demo involves you doing side quests for an hour. Well, we've been down that road before. It was Final Fantasy 15. It was and Final the demo, Fantasy 15. The demo looked very good. And then the game itself did not play anything like the demo and was very, like, uh, you know, I remember walking away from the demo being like, this is, like, I I really like what I see here. If they can add more depth to it. And they did not add any more depth to that whatsoever. In fact, the rest, it was just that, but less exciting. So I was, so that sucked. But on the flip side, you know, what you're saying about like, oh, you know, the gameplay itself is good. Well, you had me at, you can place a turret down. That's always, that always makes games better for me. Like, um, I've loved that since Ratchet and Clank. But, um, like, the, the whole like, oh, well, the gameplay itself, it's good. It's just what you'll be doing gets somewhat repetitive. And this is going to be a theme of this podcast, right? But, um, you know, there's there's a game a lot like that, which is which have the sequel to that game is the game I am second most looking forward to next year behind Seven Rebirth, and that game is Spider Man on PS4. Oh. That's another game where the gameplay itself, you will think, oh, this is just the same few crimes over and over and over, but no, it does not feel like that at all because. The actual core mechanics of the game itself you are playing are so good that it doesn't matter. Like, it really doesn't matter because you want an excuse to go swinging around New York for a little more and trying out the gadgets a little more. Like, you can say all these enemies themselves are a little cut and paste. No one playing that game cares. Like, no one cares because they're just happy to be playing as Spider-Man. And if you don't want to do all the optional shit that's fine because you can get through the game without doing that so if Forspoken is somewhat like that i'll probably like it it won't be my favorite game of the year but it will be a fun time you know actually you bring up spider-man did crystallize one thing for me one of the reasons i think i enjoyed playing this demo is that the way that Ella Belinsky moves is actually pretty damn cool. She runs around as fast as Sonic the Hedgehog. She's yeah. got, like, magic legs. So she can go and run really fast and climb up cliffs like they're nothing. There's something really awesome about that movement tech, which does do quite a lot for getting through a very large open-world game. Because I, I think other people have said right. this, but an open-world is only as good as moving around it. And moving around it yeah, is just and boring crap like Final Fantasy XV. The open world's not yes, going to be Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is like That would be like a total 180 from 15, where the movement part was the worst part by far. Like yeah. The worst part was, oh, okay, I can tell Ignis to drive me someplace, and then what am I doing while I'm driving? Was that like, Final Fantasy XIV? Yeah, Final Fantasy XIV. Hey, listening to... And you're listening to a, an old Final Fantasy tune on the radio. Great, I can do that anyway. Yeah. I can do that while I'm working out. I can do that in any other context than just waiting for something to happen. You know what so I love? That is, that is good to hear. You know what well, I love is that Final Fantasy 15 has become our shorthand for everything wrong with an open world game. <laughs> this is how you don't like, do it. 
it's this is how Final Fantasy fifteen did it, so don't do that. I think well, the, the reality is it kind of is, isn't it? Yeah, it is. In the broader like, like landscape, that is not be... taking that uh, approach over. It's more uh, like large, large zones. So, like, it's well designed. Sounds like it's going to be closer to what fourteen is than fifteen. Yeah. The, um, in the broader lame gaming landscape, that's probably not the example you'd bring up as the punching bag. But definitely among Final Fantasy fans, it is the punching bag. A game that does open world but doesn't do it right. But I will say that I've seen from Square Enix then has been very encouraging because it suggests to me they've learned from what didn't work and they also learned from what did work. So I will say, I will say, you know, Forspoken sounds good. I'll probably get it on sale. All right. Uh, think, uh, I fa- think... Funnily enough, I think, uh, I think the, uh, much maligned uh, 13 might have ended up being a step in the correct direction for the level design because look at 7 mm. Remake. It's basically yeah. 13 but with improved backtracking and uh, and direct directional branching and such. Yeah, it's not it was, one yeah, it endless hallway. Remake. Yeah. 7 Remake is, is an interesting one because it just as much follows from the path of you know Final Fantasy X, 13, then Seven Remake. It just as much follows that as it does the twelve. Then uh, fifteen is like a sidestep. It, it doesn't really follow twelve, but it takes it seems like 12. It, the, the correct evolution there is more like twelve, fourteen, sixteen. Yes, yeah. yes, that's that sounds right. But yeah, fit, Seven Remake is just a great. It's it's great because it takes inspiration from. All of those aspects, which, uh, yeah, we're not talking about Seven Remake today, but <laughs> we have we have plenty but, more to talk about. That's not Seven Remake. We have plenty more to talk about. That is Seven, but it's not Seven Remake. Well, I will say one thing about Forspoken is that I think I might actually buy this game, hmm. and I I don't know if that's because I do this podcast. And we're gonna need something to talk about in February and maybe January too. So oh, that, yeah, that's, that's a that's a very large social pressure leading me to buy that video game that I may not have done otherwise. But also, mm. I am curious what the hell this thing is because it does seem like it's either going to be a complete fucking disaster, or it's gonna be one of those games that like. In two years, I could go and make a pitch to like Kotaku or something and be like, you know, Forspoken, not that bad. Actually, underrated I, masterpiece. Whatever. I feel like uh, I feel like it's not like the worst. It's gonna be as forgettable. It could be that. I mean, I don't know. They're, they're... Uh, it's it's definitely something I'd be waiting for others' opinions on. And hey, if you're offering, <laughs> yeah, because like, because uh, I mean, sorry to drag on this topic even more, but like going back to fifteen, the reason I say that's probably not the one people bring up as the punching bag is because the rest of the gaming community has forgotten about it. The only reason we're talking about it is because it's the Final Fantasy game. Whereas most people, you know, it's just kind of, it happened, they moved on from it. And I imagine Forspoken will, at the very worst, receive the same fate, where people play it, they're like, oh, okay. And then they move on from it and they forget. Unless it's really bad, then I'll reference it every single month for the rest of our lives. Yeah, that... 
Yeah, that I do be a hold grudges. But we'll see. I hold grudges, Miles Sanders. I know you're listening. I know you don't care about my fantasy team, but what the fuck, dude? Anyway, <laughs> uh, Pixel Remaster. Yes, it is yes. finally coming to consoles, which I, I I would like to point out. I said it was going to come to consoles. I was right. It's going to be insufferable for a second and just say that. You know what? You have so little. Enjoy what you have. Um, yeah so so final fantasy uh pixel remaster is coming to console which um i should be extremely excited about it but instead i'm not because it means i have more work to do on the wiki and (laughs) i was hoping to focus only on final fantasy 7 um but that's okay because other than that i'm excited it is coming to uh, PlayStation 4 and the Nintendo Switch Spring, and there is a collector's... Yeah, is... There's yet another collector's edition. What do you know? I didn't even read this yeah. until just now. Uh, it comes with a two-disc vinyl record, uh, art book, character art. Uh, there's a one through th- six collectors, like one giant bundle of all these things. So it's kind of what I want. It's not the archival historical document let's go and interview people and show the artwork that kind of loving remaster like uh there was recently an atari game collection like an atari 2600 game collection which was really cool and had a lot of stuff they created an air world which is a game that didn't really exist but completed a franchise that was made for that system that's the kind of thing i want for retro final fantasy so this is not that but it is final fantasy 6 on the switch I guess you can be happy. Yep. There. Yep. Uh, and because it's coming to PS4, it's effectively coming to PS5 as well. Like, it, it, it's effectively the same thing. PS5 plays PS4 games about as well as a PS4 Pro could. So, you know, it is what it is. It'll be fun. I should find out what the exact name is in that for that Atari collection. Uh, what is What was it called? God, I can't find it. What was it? I just know that Airworld was on it. Oh, Atari's 50th Anniversary Collection, I think is what it's called. It has 80 games oh, okay. in it, including Airworld, which I, I don't know if you've ever heard this story, but there was a thing called Sword Quest on the Atari 2600. And Angry Video Game Nerd did an episode about it. It was supposed to be a four-game series. So, land, I think Earthworld, Waterworld, not the Kevin Costner movie, and... Uh, what's Fireworld? And then they were going to make Airworld, but they never did because the old original Atari company went under and went out of business. It was bought by the ColecoVision people, I believe. And the ColecoVision CEO stole some of the treasures that were supposed to be given out to the people that had actually done these games. There was supposed to be a big contest about it. So now, 40 years after the fact... Somebody finally made an air world so the entire Sword Quest series can be played and enjoyed and all the mysteries can be done. And that, I think, Hmm. is a beautiful gaming story. Hmm. Other than the fact that 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 one CEO stole the sword that people were supposed to get. So the equivalent of that would be like if Seven Remake gives us the chance to revive Aerith. No, it'd be like if Seven Remake never gets finished after part two. And then we gotta wait like fifty years, and then we make seven remake part three to complete the story. 
Oh, so it's like if someone goes and finishes Metal Gear Solid Five. Yeah, kind of like that, I guess. If somebody goes and finishes all the other games in uh, what? Uh, what's a good example? Um, no, I got nothing. There's so many failed <laughs> video game franchises that like suddenly nothing's coming to mind. I don't know why. What was that shitty game where you played as Balder? It killed the studio is behind. Not Baldur's Gate, but uh the hell was it called? God. Alright, my brain's completely blank. Okay. I have nothing okay. but Final I'm Fantasy on the mind. We gotta move to on. The main... yeah, 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 I'm anxious to get to the main topic, so let's go through the next items of news real quick. Alright, sure. Uh there's uh Stranger Paradise Final Fantasy Origin is getting another DLC next month. It's called Different Future. This is the last one. I believe um, it is the last one that's that they're planning, yeah. and it looks oh, like Final Fantasy Two stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It was like when when they said, "Oh, the Emperor's in it," I'm like, "Oh, okay, that's an interesting direction for this to go in." That's like totally unexpected, but no, it sounds like, um, you know, it sounds like the the Shadow of the Hedgehog is gonna be Final Fantasy One and Final Fantasy Two stuff. Okay. That's... Well, I, I'm pretty too human. sure. Too human. That was the game. I'm pretty sure that the direction. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Too human. Uh, that I'm fucking sure failed that franchise. Heading... <laughs> <laughs> Finally okay. remembered. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I'm pretty Sorry. sure the direction they're heading is uh, is the, tying this in with uh, with the because there's also right. the uh, the uh, Nomura style Moogle talking about restoring. His own timeline, and the more yeah, style movie pretty be much only gets used in Decidia and Kingdom Hearts. Wait, wait, uh, is a I doubt Moogle, it's being so... tied into the latter. Is this Mobius Final Fantasy? Does the Moogle die in a fiery holocaust? Uh, which Moogle? Any of them, because that's something that happens in Mobius uh, Final Fantasy. Uh, I, I don't think uh, any other Moogle has died like that. Okay. Uh, besides, if uh, this is tying into Decidia, then that Moogle's going to be Sid, so... I, I don't care about Decidia. So well, much. logically speaking, like, uh, it would make a lot of sense to tie in with Decidia, which is kind of what, like, you know, when Drake... Because I didn't play or watch anything about the game at all, but Drake uh, got me up to speed on what the story was. I was like, oh... So they're doing a Dissidia thing. Like, you know, with the whole, like, cycles and the whole, like, oh, this would lead into, like, you know. It basically sounds like a really, like, the story sounds like a really well thought out Dissidia prequel. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, like, you know, that's, I, like, uh, interesting. Yeah, like, I haven't touched the DLC, but the second one was about Gilgamesh and you know, Gilgamesh, of course. Remembers all the uh, remembers all the stuff from previous games, where he did seem to bring up things that were fairly Decidia linked, and also uh, Stranger Paradise. Uh, it was added relatively quickly to uh, Opria Romnia. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, was Opera uh, the Decidia mobile game. Oh. oh, I thought that might be like oh. a fan wiki where you write your fake Decidia stories. Sorry. Did I kill conversation uh, again? The Gilgamesh thing is... That's interesting, because if that's come out, then 
It sounds like our pages need updating, and I haven't updated them, but uh, that's okay. And the thing is, barely uh, any of us touched the game in the first place, and I'm not sure if any of us have touched the DLC at all. There's mm. got to be somebody. Somebody out there is a big Stranger Paradise fan, and you want to go and write these pages for us, because I'm not doing it. Yes. Yeah, so, you, the so, listener. Uh, I'm calling been, on you. There have been some people who have... Uh, contributed some stuff for that game and uh, good for them I'm not touching it because it seems like other than it not being what I'm interested in it's like you know actually that is the reason it's just I'm not interested in it but you know I'll help out anyone who wants to okay uh, oh wait you know what we do have many more items I'm sorry to admit in the news category uh, I know you want to move on but uh, do you have a yeah, hard out coming up like in an hour or something no I don't I don't have any hard out at all alright this may just have to be a long episode because do you remember Chocobo GP I remember Chocobo GP and I also remember the news item related to Chocobo GP yeah uh, Chocobo GP season 5 which is what it's currently at. Uh, it will be the last season, and soon enough they'll be shutting off your ability to buy Mithril, the premium currency, and that will become invalid on January sixth of twenty twenty three. Apparently, according to this item on the support of Square Next page, and I believe they're going to be done doing anything as of Wednesday, December twenty first, which just passed about a week ago. That is the end. There's no so, more large updates. So Zero Alec, who is one of our moderators, uh, brought up a very interesting point about this, which he said that a lot of people are reading the news wrong about this. Where, mm-hmm. like, if you look at the news, they'd be saying, like, oh, the game shut down. It was, you know, it's end. it's ended its life, and it's another, like, the first soldier story. When that's not really what's happening... What's happening yeah, is I they're don't just know where not people adding... are getting that rating from. Right. Whereas what what's happening is the game's still gonna be completely online, completely playable. They're just not adding new content to it, and I don't know how long that was planned to be added for anyway. What they are getting rid of, which is a wonderful thing, they're getting rid of the microtransactions, which no one liked and was always stupid as fuck. And let me say real quick that this isn't the first kart racing game that this has happened to because crash team racing did the same shit like when it came oh, out the, like, the, the uh the fucking activision version yes that's right crash what year, team racing, was, what year did that come out that was like two three years ago i want to say oh, it was okay. quite recent but basically yeah, that was like a remake of the original but uh you know, that looked like, you know, a really good remake of this, and then a day after the reviews came out, they uh, they patched in a ton of shitty microtransactions. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Like, because the original Crash Team Racing was, like, one of the best kart races ever made. Like, you know, like, it, it wasn't until, like, Mario Kart 8 or some shit that actually surpassed it, because that was considered, like, the holy grail of kart racing games. Like, classic game, Naughty Dog outdid Mario on this one. And it was like, you know... And so unfortunately, was... it was too good because Naughty Dog wanted to kill the series with it. They tried... They actually tried to use that to kill the series because they said, oh, we're going to make the, the bad guy in this be an alien and everyone's going to say that's so ridiculous that they're done with Crash. And what actually happened, 
because this was when Naughty Dog was exiting that and they were moving on to Jack and Daxter. But what actually happened was everyone said, oh man, that alien is so cool. Can't wait to learn more about him. So they, it was, you know, it was an accident. But um, it was an excellent game. And the remake, everyone was really excited for, including me. I bought it. And it was a good remake with a horrible microtransaction system, which is exactly what happened with Chocobo GP. It was a remake of a previous Chocobo Racing game. Uh, that Chocobo was, Racing, probably. It, it was called Chocobo Racing, that's right. And yes. uh, it was, I think that more like, you know, that was more flash in the pan compared to Crash Team Racing. Chocobo GP, the actual racing itself, got very good reception. What didn't get good reception at all, for good reason, was the fucking monetization, which was the stupidest thing like they could have possibly done so basically what they've said is okay that was a dumb idea we're getting rid of it and we're not adding more dlc to the game so it's just going to exist as it is you can play this kart racer online and it's probably it's basically they've made the game playable now but they've not added anything to it which is it's a battlefront 2 story because you know star wars battlefront 2 when that that came out despise what's that I hate Battlefront 2. That game was one of my biggest disappointments. I mean, the, the single-player yeah. campaign, it was fucking horrible. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, oh, the single-player campaign sucked. Yeah. But what people... Basically, everyone said, like, oh, the multiplayer, when it came out, was dog shit. And then by the end of it, was great. And at that point, they'd already given up on it. So it sounds like Chocobo GP is going to be another Battlefront 2 story where, you know, it's going to be... We'll probably like it now, but we won't like, you know, basically, they they killed the reputation of it by putting in a stupid-ass monetization scheme, which they probably didn't earn a lot. Well, based on the fact they're shutting it down, they didn't earn a lot of money from it. But, so that's basically what's happened with the game. Yeah, I did play a demo of this. I, I talked about it on the podcast where... The demo yeah. is about two minutes long, and that's all they let you do. <laughs> it was right. horrible. It was one of the cruelest tutorials ever, where if you don't completely, perfectly do the uh, the turns, the drift turns, they restart the demo entirely, and it's just like, fuck you. You didn't drift right. Fuck you, kids. Rip. Yeah. So Rip. that was awful. Um yeah, I, I don't think the game's getting shut down. It's still playable. The online will still work. It's just, you know, it's it's yeah, a dead I game. Think they were, yeah, I think they mentioned they were actually yeah, transitioning everything to the in-game currency. So. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it never needed a currency. That's the problem with the game. The game should have just been... Yeah, it probably didn't need a currency at all. <laughs> um but uh yeah that'll be the end of that that's wrapping up soon and uh yeah, next month is I, also I when think... uh first soldier ends and then uh babylon's fall when does that end when's that officially shut down i believe that's early next year like i think it's actually lasting like one year from launch to death so i'm surprised yeah um, i mean that's 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 impressive in all of itself like yeah, so a lot of things are shutting down. A lot of these um, multiplayer games as service bets that Square Enix made, they just have not panned out. Yeah, because there was a time when that seemed like the obvious bet for the gaming industry to go all in on. Because they're like, oh, you know, 
it's more of a reliable source of funding than the single-player games that might be a big hit and they might not be. But ultimately what happened is the market became oversaturated really quick. And no, it turns out the single-player games are the easier bet. Who would have thought? Yeah, uh, and, Babylon's and Fall... And pretty much everything collapsed except for Destiny 2 and Final Fantasy fourteen, and they all lived happily ever after. Yeah. Babylon's Fall shut yeah, down February 27th. At this point. February 27th is when it dies. Oh, League right. of Legends is the other one that still hasn't collapsed. And, yeah, the... Uh, yeah, Arc- League of Legends is less of a game and more a de- malignant disease that makes people into complete assholes. Uh, well, I mean, the same could be said of Dota 2, which I think is much worse than League, but... What about Fortnite? Yeah. Isn't Fortnite still a thing? It is. It is. Fortnite is still a thing, but it is losing ground to Minecraft. Oh, wow. How about, um, what's the Arcane game? The one that Arcane is based off of. Which one no, even that is, is League that? of Legends. League, League of Legends? What is that the other is one League I'm of thinking Legends. of? Oh, Dota. Dota 2. How's that one doing? Yeah, that's the one. Uh, Dota 2, uh, I don't want to go into the full history of it, but they're basically the same genre of games. And, no, but I, uh, I know, I I know not... what it is, but what, how's it doing? Oh, I mean, it's been declining for a few years now, you know, which anyone could have predicted because, you know, they, they refuse point blank. The community refuses point blank to make that game more user-friendly and you know they think of it like they almost get offended when you make the game more user-friendly almost and you know so the old people leave because of that and the new people don't leave because you know the new people don't join because other obviously there's other shit to play so you know anyone could have predicted that wasn't going to last that long okay and of course overwatch 2 is uh one of the saddest video game stories i've ever told Everything I yeah. loved about that game in 2016 has been stolen from me and replaced with dog shit. Uh, it's next, a, it's a big shame. Next topic, I believe we should move on. Um, am I out of all the things? I might finally be through all the things. We could. We have one more thing. Final okay. Fantasy 14. You just mentioned that game. Uh, there's a new patch coming, and a new trailer came out earlier this week. It's uh, patch yeah, six point three. Yep, uh, God's Revel Lands Tremble. It is, uh, uh, I mean, it's uh, just standard off patch. There's a bit of story. There's another thing with the big 24 player fights. Uh, this one, um, managing to uh, to tease tease people a bit because okay, so the Alliance Raid series in uh, Endwalker has been about. The twelve, basically the standard religion of the people of Aorzia, and of course we uh, we believed that they were fake, just like every other gods. And then in patch six point one, we somehow stumble upon them, and they appear to be real. So we're trying to figure that out um, and get to fight them in the process. So uh, this uh, this patch uh, six point three, its addition to the Alliance raid series. Uh, one of the fights is against uh, Nofika, a goddess of Earth, patron uh, deity of Gridania. And one thing uh, people uh, know about Nofika is that she has uh, absolutely gigantic tits. Oh. oh let me, uh, how do I spell <laughs> Nofika? Yep. Uh, N-O-P-H-I-C-A, I believe. 
Um, okay, all right. Let's Google image search this. <laughs> uh, oh, hello. Anyway, uh, in the uh, in the trailer, uh, you can see Mavika, but the, but they deliberately phrased it so you can only see her back. <laughs> and uh, later in the live lesson, where they're showing off everything new, uh, typically uh, Yoshida goes into uh, any new instances. Uh, tries fighting the boss by himself and dying uh, and like this time he goes into the alliance thing um, and the first boss is Nafika but he goes there there's just a bunch of treasure chests there and he says oh, oh I already used dev codes to uh, bypass this fight we're just going to look around the area this time so he's like I will say can't be horny on my chat I'm getting rid of him I'm going past this I will but say, no horny on um... the official Final Fantasy 14 channel <laughs> <laughs> uh, something I'm very, I'm very happy to report when I looked it up. Uh, the first result was our wiki on it, and I checked the page layout is the correct page layout. So the people who are editing the Final Fantasy XIV content on the wiki, great job! You know, you've done, you've done, you've done us proud. I'm very proud of you. All. Okay. I've... Yes. Uh, Blue has uh, post has put the uh, uh, the uh, twin adder. Recruitment poster that uh, very. I was going to say, yeah. My second reaction. My second reaction was, oh, okay, she's got nice groups. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> that is actually like in universe a promotional uh, poster for uh, for Gridania's army. Like, join us, we got huge tits. It's actually called Twin Twin. But the thing is, like, that's kind of <laughs> yes, it's called the or it, no. Oh, that's what's on her what flag. I thought they were life. ducks. Oh, they're snakes. Kind of exactly oh, I thought they were what they ducks. Do. So okay. it's like... <laughs> oh, shit. There's a lure edge error? Oh, shit. All right. What's the matter? Let me ping cat you about this. There's a lure error on our page, but it's okay. Oh. I'll ask cat to take care of it. What's a, what does that uh, mean? Uh, is there uh, like a not a dead tag? a code error. Oh, it usually just means FF14 does, but Ace broke again. Oh, okay. Yeah. <sighs> Someone left the tag open, and now you got to fix the whole thing. All right. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm being extremely so anyway, mature that... about uh, Nafika. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> uh, so, so anyway, uh, anyway, uh, breasts aside for a second. Uh, yeah, it seems like a fairly standard patch. Uh, just uh, some are continuing the uh, the story that they've set up post Sandwalker about uh, exploring the void, uh, fighting Golbez and the Four Fiends and such. Um, yeah, uh, that is happening January tenth, I believe. Uh, yeah, January the tenth. And I'm sure I'll have more to talk about it next month. All right. Um, are you going? Are you excited for this patch? How, how's yeah. the How's Final Fantasy XIV doing narrative-wise? Like in terms of how people love it. People still love this game. Uh. Yeah, it's it's still going strong. I mean, uh, generally there is, as you'd expect, a bit of a downturn in between the expansions uh probably not helped by it being uh uh being quite a bit uh the uh, patch cycle is now slower than it used to be because uh, uh because yoshida forcibly slowed down uh, the uh 
the development cycle in order so he could force people to take vacations. Um, that seems like a smart move. Yeah. You... Yeah, I was gonna and say that. So now cool. it's like... so now it's gone from uh, expansions every two years to I think about two and a half years. Uh, the next fan fest, which is when they'll reveal 7.0, uh, is uh, mid-year next okay. year. So, that could be at E3. 14 is the market leader, so there's n- like there's no reason for them whatsoever to be like hasty with how with how quickly they put these things out. Yeah. Also, this like not to completely shit on World of Warcraft, but it's still not doing well. Uh, Dragonflight right. seems to have been received a bit better than uh, Shadowlands, uh, but uh, compared to uh, uh, compared to uh, when was the uh, peak of it, uh, Mists of Pandaria, uh, it is effectively considered a shell of its former self. Dead game. Yeah, it's heard it here. Hmm. So Final Fantasy XIV is the only MMO that matters anymore. Is that the story we're hearing? at this point? At this uh, point, in yeah, the uh, in the paid scene, pretty much, yeah, like the the subscription MMO as a genre is pretty much dead, and uh, fourteen only gets away with it because it's Final Fantasy fourteen. And Nafika, of course. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yes. Well, basically, you know, when you make a really, really good product, people will pay for it. Yeah. Who'd have thought? Should I play Final Fantasy fourteen? And if you want, it is uh, free up to probably, the end of it. No. I should definitely play it at some point, but if I do, it turns out I'm going to need to make a new account on it completely because I cannot transfer my European account to North America. Which that sucks. sucks. Uh, that, oh. uh, that doesn't matter. Uh, that doesn't matter. Uh, European, American, and Japanese accounts play on the same system. It only, ju- yeah, ma- only changes what currency still... you have to pay for like currency and shit so i'd have to start like, again i pay but it's for okay. my subscription in euros it's it's uh no, like like square doesn't like i mentioned before square doesn't ship to australia uh they do not even accept australian dollars as currency so interesting they, they look okay. at the dollar dues and they're like what the hell is this this is nothing yeah, so, so i have to pay my subscription in euros Ugh. yeah well, so i'm not gonna play final the... fantasy 14 now they offended the dollar he do. I'm not doing it. <laughs> well, I, I respect your choices. Also, I hate MMOs. Are we on the big topic now? Yeah, we could be on the big topic. Let me. Well, weren't we already on the big topic? <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> anyway. Uh... <laughs> All right. I'm so glad we brought up Final right. Fantasy 14. So. Uh, should, okay, if we're going to continue on that, Rich, should I point out that there is a uh, uh, that there is a place in Final Fantasy XIV called Nafika's Wells? Okay, we we could stop now. <laughs> Let, let's let's be mature adults here, respectful yes. adults. Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion was uh, yeah. released on December thirteenth, twenty twenty two, which was. A, Exactly two weeks ago. So, Techno, you've been playing Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion. Uh, what do you think A about lot. It? A lot of it. I, I assume playing... you've beaten it by now, right? 100% of it. You 100% uh, of it? I have... 
Yes, I you have. Beat, uh, uh, you beat Gaia, or whatever her name is? Ah, uh, shit, Minerva. I didn't beat Minerva yet. I oh, didn't, well, bullshit. Oh, so, what do you claim it 100% I've 90% then? I've 90%ed it. it. The game literally um, gives you a percentage completion of how much of the side quests you've done. I've completed exactly 99% of the side quests. Exactly 299 out of 300 missions I have completed. Um, so... I have been playing a lot of Reunion, and before that, I complete I played and completed, but did not 100%. I played the original on PSP. Uh, I emulated that, and um, I have a lot of thoughts about both. Uh, I will say, like, we can really, I think we can split this up into a like Crisis Core as a concept, like the whole game period, and b like you know, what the improvements were. So I'll get the uh, improvements out uh, first real quick before I think the actual meat of the discussion about Crisis Core itself is more interesting. But the improvements itself, I'm just going to say, are like, uh, sig they make it a significantly better game in basically every single way. Like, there's, there's not really anything I can knock the improvements on for because, like, basically all the flaws left with Reunion are flaws that, the only way you could fix them, you'd have to change Crisis Core itself. Like, you know, when you're doing a remaster of a game where, where everything is one-to-one, -one, like, the only... Like basically, the, the flaws remaining are things that are fundamental to Crisis Core. You can't fix it, even if you tried. Like, you know, basically, you'd have to just remake the game fully and, like, reimagine a lot of what you did to fix that. But as far as, like, everything else is all improved so as an example like one of my biggest gripes with the missions of the original game and this is where spider-man comes back into it is that the missions in the original game are extremely boring they're extremely repetitive they are not fun because this game was designed with the idea in mind oh it's a portable game so you will take it anywhere so here's just a little mission you can do in the like and it will take you two minutes or so to complete and then, you know, it's a way to pass the time. And okay, fine, I somewhat understand it, but those missions are really fucking boring and they will probably be boring even if you're on the go anyway. Luckily, this game fixes it in every single way. So first of all, the combat has been not completely redone, but significantly redone to the point where when you have the Buster Sword, is so fun to play because the Buster Sword like it's it's no longer just oh you press x and you attack anymore no you actually have combos and shit you can do with it and then there's the fact that like oh when you kill enemies it actually recovers a decent amount of your hp or your mp and you know you actually you're encouraged to change up the way you play a little bit because it's like oh if you kill enemies with magic then we'll reward you by giving you mp back if you kill them with uh if you kill them with it, uh, with the special abilities, then we'll give you AP back. If you, uh, what's the other one? Oh, if you kill it with no damage, then we'll reward you for that. Like basically, the game encourages you to play better at it, and it basically it makes every encounter much more fun. And the other thing they fixed about it that made them much more fun is thank God they fixed this. The digital mind wave no longer sucks ass. Wait, what did they the change about? The digital mind wave because that that usually what that's the uh, slot limit break thing right yes it's, so uh, it doesn't slot... stop gameplay anymore 
Like yes, uh, it, it will it will stop to do those memory cut scenes and such. But uh, usually when it's rolling the limit break, it uh, it just keeps going, and you don't even have to uh, use the limit break immediately. It gets uh, stocked, and you oh, can you just press use it. Press it, all button if you want. Use yeah. it. That like, is interesting. Basically, it'll come up. It'll come up. It'll say, "Oh, you've got Cisne," and then you know you press triangle like when you want, and then Cisne's cutscene will play if you want it to because you can press triangle to skip Cisne's cutscene. Oh yeah, oh, you can also great. skip the limit break animation and the memory cutscenes and. Oh, yeah, you like, can, uh, you can the, uh, skip all of it. The the only ones uh, you can't skip are. Uh, are the ones in the ending because like those that uh, go fmv mode yeah that is yeah, so like... good considering the original game the way it would happen is that those slots would go off and Aerith would pop up and fully heal you and i just got the sense that like i can't even fail this game if i wanted to because it keeps giving me all these free heals endlessly right the main right, story yeah. is still extremely easy especially if you start going into missions if you go into missions, then the game has like no difficulty left. Oh, I didn't so do that's that at all. I'm that saying, stuff like... was that. Sh- I don't remember the missions at all, but I'm I know me well enough to know that I probably did two of those and then never did them again. Hmm. Probably hate hate the missions in the original because let me tell you, those are boring as shit. They are yeah, really those fucking are still... bad. Those are still pretty bad. Uh, well, see, so that's what I'm at saying. Least, at least like... the Yuffie ones are voice acted now, I guess. Well, so I... that's what I'm saying is that the only way to improve the game further from how it's been improved is you'd have to completely redo the whole thing. So you'd have to like restructure it. So, oh, instead of 300 missions, there's now 30 missions, and those missions are like in unique locations, and they have a unique like set of things going on basically that's but beyond that like the missions are now like the reason i brought up spider-man earlier is because it's the same concept as spider-man where like the spider the crimes in spider-man ps4 are the same thing over and over again but you don't care because the core mechanics are so fun that you'll go back to the crimes anyway just as a chance to try out a new web shooter combination Whereas in Crisis Core, it's now, it didn't used to be, it used to be I dreaded going to the missions all the time. Now I can't put them down. Because now, every time I want to go back and keep playing it, because I want to unlock the next item and see what I can do with that. And then I want to unlock the next Materia, and then use Materia Fusion, which is just as good as it always was. But I'll now I'll use Materia Fusion again, and try out some new combo I can get. And then once you get the one materia that does 99,000 damage on every single hit, it's like, okay, now the game is so easy, but it's so fun just bullying the shit out of this game. Like, uh, so so basically, like, you know, the I think the improvements itself, it's fair to say, there's, uh, like, are mostly uninteresting. But, uh, so that's why I wanted to get those out of the way first. The only interesting part of the conversation around the improvements is the voice acting. So the voice acting now uses the same voice cast from Seven Remake. Uh, it has no one from the original anymore. They recast everyone, and everything is now voice acted. So, mm. um, you know, Tifa now has lines that she's actually voice acted in by Britt Barron, 
And Britt Barron is just as good as always. There's like, you know, we do not deserve Britt Barron. Um, but the more interesting <laughs> one, of course you'd is, say that. Like, <laughs> she was always my favorite voice actress from the original. She was way too good. Her and Barrett were just way too. We do not deserve those guys. Um, Brianna White as Aerith was. A, yeah, I mean, Brianna White as Aerith is a really interesting one because Aerith in Crisis Core is very different from Aerith in Final Fantasy VII. In the Aerith in Crisis Core is still a little more shy. She is a little more introverted. She hasn't had. <clears throat> she hasn't gone through the development yet that she goes through when she meets Zack. And Zack really helps bring her out of her shell to the point where she's like so. She's so massively like you know. She's so she's so fascinating in Final Fantasy VII, and in Crisis Core, she's kind of just you know. A much less interesting character because you you know she's less like the th- the thing everyone loves about Aerith is you think that she's going to be this like nice flower girl that just is you know is just like Rosa or some shit but then she's not she's actually sweet streetwise and cocky and all of that and it, and in Crisis Core no she kind of is that stereotype Brianna White does a good job of selling. Aerith like she was before that you know so I I think the voice acting was really good on that Sephiroth is the other really interesting one because Sephiroth uh, I think a lot of people did really like Sephiroth in uh in in Crisis Core as in the voice acting uh the character himself Sephiroth is is phenomenal in Crisis Core that's uh my personal favorite Sephiroth is you know you get to see him before he went nuts and that just adds so much depth to him and makes him a really interesting character. And I really like that. But uh, there's a, ver- a big difference between how uh, the new guy plays him versus how George New Newburn played him. Like, you, there are some scenes where he... What's that? Superman. George Newburn. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, he played Superman. Right. Right, he, he also was in an amazing movie called Doppelganger starring Drew Barrymore. Where there's two Drew Barrymore's yeah. and she's actually so, an alien. Anyway, you can you can go on. People, yeah, a lot of people really liked uh, Sephiroth in the original, but there's like you know, I personally prefer this voice acting version because this version it makes Sephiroth sound more like a human being, which is exactly how he should be at this point in his life. Like George New, am I pronouncing that right? Newburn. Uh, I, I don't know the man. I think it's okay. Newburn. I well, don't know. Okay. Well, basically, his version of Sephiroth was a great version of Sephiroth when you want to be intimidating and like, you know, when you want to be like a, an anime supervillain. And Sephiroth before Crisis Court is not an anime supervillain. He is a real person. Uh, yeah, he is in, uh... warm and compassionate, and he is. You know, that's what makes Sephiroth interesting in this version. So I I really liked it, but there's some people who didn't, and I understand that. Okay, now, beyond so, that... Techno. Originally, in Crisis Core, Newburn does play him like Sephiroth always is. So he's like, hello, Zack. I'm here right. to lead you to the promised he's... land of things and cloud and stuff. So how does right. uh, how's the new one sound? Does he just talk like um, a guy? So, it's like, hey, Zach, it's me, Sephiroth. Hi. I can give you a direct comparison, actually. 
um, trying to do my best voice impression. So there's a line in uh, in that one scene that everyone really likes, the Genesis and Jill Sephiroth scene where they're fighting over Junon. Yeah, and that one like awesome. you know, Genesis Genesis says something about like, oh, this is one line from Loveless. I'm surprised oh, you remember Christ. it. And then, yeah, Newburn replies with, "How can I not when you?" beating it into my head like almost cocky about it and then and the new guy kind of sounds like how can i not when you've beaten it into my head like that and that probably wasn't a good impression but basically like what uh, doesn't what emotion does he have is he like exasperated is he i'm so fucking sick of this shit or is he just like oh god you're doing your loveless thing again aren't you like that? He's exasperated by it. Okay. He is. He is exasperated by it. That is a, f- a fair way to say it. He he so he says it kind of like that. He has a normal human reaction to a good friend of his talking shit about this one play that he's obsessed with over and over again. Oh my god! Right? Genesis um, and the fucking love so, shit. Fuck. So yeah, we're gonna <laughs> get into I... Genesis. Don't don't worry about that. I we think are I gonna might get remember into it. Uh, it like... I like. There's one scene that I absolutely forgotten about, which is just incredibly hilarious, which is, uh, you know, towards the end of the first visit to uh, Benora, and Zack runs out of Angel's house, and then Genesis trips him and uh, yep. just starts fighting Loveless while Zack yells, Shut up! Shut up! Uh, um, that is still there. Uh, is it that yeah, in all its glory? Unfortunately, with the voice acting, uh, the new Zack doesn't sell his scenes as well until the end yeah i was leaving that until the end but we can get into it one exception he absolutely lands the ending like like oh yeah like they they have redone the lines that were present in remake uh and they are so much better but the rest of the game is just kind of like that one moment for him yeah, the original uh, Zack was like Sora. That's how he played it. He played it like a slightly older Sora. Yeah, I have yeah. I have two things to say on that. Uh, first of all, like uh, that reminds me, there's actually a third topic with Crisis Core that I'd forgotten about, and that's the topic of how does this lead into Seven Remake? Which uh, I'm gonna get back to that because there's Do more they... to say on that. The I, second I, yeah, we'll thing, get to that. I... we have to get to that. Yeah, the second thing is that uh, I was... So, my apologies. I was going to leave Zach until the end, but we can get get to Zach now. Because, yeah, that's the one point of contention that a lot of people have with Crisis Core Reunion, where a lot of people were, understandably, really attached to Zach's voice, because Zach was always the best thing about this game, and he still is the best thing about this game. You know, he is a super likable character. Like... Zack is the o- is really the only person from the main cast of Final Fantasy VII who doesn't do an Uno reverse card on what you expect from from how you look at him, right? Because yeah, you look at comparison to a uh, puppy that the other characters make is kind of apt. He is right. he is very uh, cute and excitable. Yeah, he's so. Sore. What I mean by that, what I mean by that, Blue is you know you look at Cloud Strife. He's clearly built like this tough, rugged soldier guy, and then you, you know, he, he, like you meet him at first, and he says like, "Oh, I'm a mercenary, and I have all this experience." But then you turn out, if I, it turns out actually beneath the surface, he's kind of a dork. Yeah. He's kind of nothing like that at all. And then Aerith, uh, I touched on that a bit. It was like, you know, you'd think of her as this boring, 
white mage Rosa type person, and she's when not that at all. <laughs> why why like, are you putting these words into my mouth? I'm not that Rosa guy. I, I'm not putting them into your mouth. I'm just saying, like, wait, basically, wait. all the characters. Sorry. When you look at when you see their design, they're not what you expect them. And Zach is the only one where he's exactly what you expect. But that's fine because you know Zach is just a wonderful, lovable character. And Rick Gomez, uh, the original voice actor, uh, played a very good Zach at being a lovable, fun-loving character. Who he starts off immature and like a puppy, but he matures over time and becomes a hero. With... Sorry, what? A lot of people really like that about Rick Gomez. Now, Caleb Pierce is a, a very different is a very different iteration of Zach early on. But a lot of people seem to be aligned on the fact that he gets better as the game goes on. He's much better at playing the matured, more confident Zach who was you know, who's gone through all the all the stuff in the Crisis Core story than he is at playing the restless puppy Zach. And at that point, he looks more out of place. But at the very, like, as the game goes on, he gets better and better about it, including, like some column mage said, at the very end, where he does a very good rendition of the ending, which uh, he rubbed a lot of people the lo- wrong way with his first iteration of the ending. He sounds a lot better than than he did in Seven Remake. Okay. So, oh, Seven Remake kind of did the ending of Crisis Core for a second, but now you get to see the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, that's right. You get the yeah, whole, that's right. now the whole emotional affect of uh, Zack fighting the infinite army and being defeated. Spoilers. Yeah, so basically, like, uh, I will say, last thing I have to say on Crisis Core, uh, had the new voice acting... I think Cisne's voice actress is the biggest improvement. Like, and everyone oh. always loved Cisne. And I think she's even better now. I think she's, I really love how Cisne sounds. A lot of people have said they much prefer Genesis and Angel's voice in this. And I think, like, yeah, they're better. But, like, you know, those characters are written so poorly that that doesn't help a whole lot. So, um, so, so yeah, uh, I think, unless anyone has anything to add, that about wraps up the reunion improvement, question mark, I, I, part of this segment. Um, I have some questions, I We did kind I of guess. get distracted from, uh, from gameplay, but also, yeah. uh, in general, the game is just kind of faster and more fluid. Like, uh, yeah. uh, in, uh, in the original uh, Crisis Core, uh, you attacking is press a button. Zach swings. Press a button. Zach does the exact same swing. There's blah, blah, blah. In this version, Zach does have like a proper combo that's more akin to like how Cloud uses the sword in remake. Uh, materia, uh, you no longer have to hit the shoulder button. You have to like hit L and R to get to the correct materia and use it. Uh, they have changed to Kingdom Hearts style shortcuts. For all of them, so That's you hot press, I think it was yeah, hold L1 and press, and press one of the face buttons or R1 and R2 to let off the materia. Uh, materia Fusion now actually tells you what result you're going to get before you do it. Uh, well, it did that before, but it hit it. Okay. You know, yeah. It's it's basically um, it does how it did it before was you put the two you put the three together 
and then it says this is the material you're gonna get do you want to do it whereas now like you said it actually like you know you put the item in and then it gives you the preview so it's much better yeah yeah uh techno already mentioned that uh, like you get a get some of your uh mp uh, or ap back by killing enemies in certain ways but uh, also uh once you get the buster sword uh you can uh press uh, attack and roll at the same time to enter like a sort of uh, uh, pseudo uh, Punisher mode and yeah, uh, during this uh, your your attack becomes just like a couple heavy cleaves and like if you use a uh, if you use an attack ability uh, it it will behave as if because uh, usually uh, if you use an attack ability mid combo it gets a damage boost uh, if mm. you do it then, it just immediately gives the same damage boost as if it was at the end of a combo. Uh, yeah. If you, if you might... kill enough enemies with that, the Buster Sword gets even stronger, and the uh, battle stance starts being able to do things like have uh, innate break damage limit or being able to pierce protect. Uh, the yeah. game is just a lot faster than it used to be. Yeah, and I think that that Punisher mode you're talking about, that pseudo-Punisher mode, I think you might actually yeah. use the exact same animations that Cloud used in Serum Remake, because I think they, they look exactly the same to me. But, <laughs> yeah, it's it's like you say, it's just all around just so much more fun to play than it used to be. Like, it's it's just, you know, it's a night and day difference, really. And I'm saying this jump? is someone who... There a jump. Yes, there is a jump. There, uh, there, there are jump materials, but you can't like jump without it. So no, that's oh, yeah, what I hated yeah, yeah. about I mean, the original one. You can't. It felt so jump, stiff that you couldn't jump. Jump in terms of like the jump attack, like Kane. Yeah, jump. no, I mean like, like a like, Kane Heinlein jump. I mean like There's not like I'm in uh, Kingdom you, Hearts. You I'm gonna air juggle this or anything fool. like that. Yeah, that, yeah, that's there what there I really didn't that, like. But Seven Remake didn't have that either. So, yeah, I didn't love that either, to be honest. Yeah, I, 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 I a, a few attacks like, could kind of knock people into the air and let you style on them a bit. But, yeah, yeah, not not yeah. in the not Crisis in Core doesn't have that. It doesn't have that. Like you know, it's not the combat system is as good of a Crisis Core combat system as we could have gotten. It is not as good as Seven Remake. Right. Yeah, that that sounds about right. They they made the game, they made the game better while still leaving it as Crisis Core. Essentially, yeah. they yeah. made the best Crisis Core they could have made. Yeah. Okay. Um. Let me. I don't know how I can respond to all this. How about this? Why don't I go and share my opinions on Crisis Core, and let's see if possibly this remake could change my mind if I should play Crisis Core again, which I'm not going to do, but you just know, for an intellectual exercise. I'll go you there know, and... Bro, that is wonderful, because that is exactly how I wanted to start off the conversation, is you sharing your perspective on it. <laughs> okay. So, well, I'm anyway. really interested to so, hear what you have to say. I played this game back in 2008. I rented it from a blockbuster, which sounds perfectly normal to me but i think now it makes me sound like some kind of a like flintstonian freak <laughs> oh you know? man you know like oh man you used a past. punch card on your computer what the hell um so yeah so i beat it over the course of a weekend i did I, if i did any of the missions i would have only have done them for level grinding i can't remember much of it at all 
I remember... Yeah, it probably didn't do much. Like, I completed about 60% missions, uh, and my save files about 25 hours. I think I beat it so, like 12, uh, 20, maybe? Couldn't, yeah. Couldn't be more than that. Yeah, so you probably didn't do a lot of the missions. I'm on, like, 30 hours with my 99% completion, so it didn't sound like you would have done it. Yeah, but that lot. 1% is the super boss... Which is the actually yeah, challenging is, thing. So report back when you beat like Minerva. Two hours long. She's even uh, like if you set it to hard mode, she's even harder than she was in PSP. Because like uh, they uh, increased her uh, HP. Uh, it was uh, like it's 10 million in normal in both versions. <laughs> uh, in hard mode, uh, it's 20 million on PSP. In the remake. 77 million 777,777. Oh, so it's more than Ye's Matt in Final Fantasy 12. <laughs> that is more than. Well, Be I guess the better have your fucking in... break damage limits and costly punch handy. Oh, yeah, they nerfed yeah, that too, so it uses 10 times as much HP as it used to. I hope you have yeah. your all lucky sevens going, but wait, that only does like 77,000 damage. Yeah, all right, whatever. We'll move on. It doesn't even work. <laughs> no, it doesn't work. All right. So I did not like this game. Um, I imagine many of the things I disliked immediately would have been fixed, such as, say, the entire game can be beaten by just running around an enemy, hitting, hitting X three times, and then square to dodge or block. You could beat everything that way. Like, there was nothing in right. the game that was... Um, Except for Sephiroth, because you can't get behind him, because he's he's a yeah. You 2D can't fight. Uh, you can't crit lock everything to death in this version. Uh, the flinching behaves a lot more like it does in remake. Yeah. yeah. So I, I thought it was stiff. I thought it was pretty tedious. The real problem, though, that I always had with Crisis Core, is not just the fact that the original way those characters were on the PSP reminded me a lot of the Flanderized advent children version of the final fantasy 7 cast which i guess they won't feel like that anymore considering the voice acting's been changed so maybe that's an advantage yeah yeah that does that does it, change the, it a lot the voice acting's a bit better but yeah if that's your concern it does not really fix that the script is i the script is only really better. adjusted for grammatical fixes the script is what the script is better. And, i'd say significantly yeah. better like uh, the voice acting is the seven remake style of voice acting, where basically like the core cast all sound like really good. They sound like you know Final Fantasy twelve level of quality. They like the voice cast of the main cast is excellent. The side characters are you know your random ass fucking anime, random JRPG voices that sound kind of ridiculous. But that's whatever. That's part of the charm of the game. How does like, Genesis but, do um, this quote? Infinite in mystery is the gift of the goddess. We seek it thus and take to the sky. Ripples form on the water's surface. The wandering soul knows no rest. How does he do that? Because he says that line 7,000 fucking times. <laughs> How does uh, he do that one? It's like, in mystery is the gift of the goddess. Like kind of like he sucks. That. All right, he, he he does he doesn't sound like you know an actor trying to read uh, you know, poetry in an important tone of voice, but you know, like the lines still fucking suck because it's yeah that, it's that's love, the thing. That's Loveless it. is not actually a very good poem. It's not. Um, it's what it is. It's like basically any problem you'll have 
with the dialogue will be because of the dialogue itself and nothing to do with how it's delivered because the delivery of everything is great mm-hmm. it's just you know if the dialogue itself sucked there's not much they could do about it although that is that does lead to one small point the script has changed which i'm very pissed off about because wow. i finished uh, i finished the final fantasy 7 script for the wiki and i was thinking oh this is great because now i don't need to do anything for reunion anymore and nope they changed it um but uh, other than that i don't care uh, okay. it's just that's just my own pet peeve on it anyway sorry carry on so you I didn't... haven't gotten to the real killing blow of crisis core what okay. made me deeply dislike that game actually there's two things i'm gonna start okay. with the mechanical one i'm gonna go with the story one next the mechanical one okay. is that crisis core always felt like it was a slice of final fantasy 7 in full 3d it was not actually final fantasy 7 in full 3d so you could walk around Midgar in a couple like open areas and you can build like a trolley for Aerith, her her flower yep. cart. And I remember thinking, man, what we need is a Final Fantasy VII remake where you could actually go around Midgar freely and go and explore these places instead of this semi-linear level-based game where, yeah, it's kind of like Final Fantasy VII, but it's also just, you know, the theme park well, version of Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, fortunately. For 2008 Blue Highwind, I have news for you. Okay. Um, He's still here. um, He's inside of me somewhere. Yeah, so... Maybe it won't... That part won't be as annoying these days, but... The the level design is exactly the same. It's just, you know, it it might not give you that feeling anymore. Now that we actually have the 7 remake. Yeah, I'm going to be a bit more pessimistic and say that while it has, it does feel better, it's probably not to your satisfaction. I yeah. don't really, I don't really feel like you will have a significantly higher outlook of this game, except you'd have gone from hating nearly everything about it to only hating a few critical components of it. I really. think that's fair. I yeah, I don't know. Did I in, hate everything? Yeah, mechanical... I guess I did hate everything about this game, actually. In the mechanical about... department, <laughs> in the mechanical department, I think that is fa- that is fair to say. Um, okay. The, the level design has not changed. All right, so that's probably not going to work for that. me. I'll, it, I'll have it to even wait. does the same, the, same, the same fucking thing, where, like, a, a bunch of those open areas are, like, or just a bunch of those areas in general are just, like, short narrow corridors with big arenas in between each bit and you can dodge the encounters by just walking around the edges of oh the yeah areas. i remember that, that yeah that still, was hilarious that is so true you can yeah, still that was do hilarious. that so it turns out that wasn't actually like a bug that people found that was intentional game design because if they wanted to fix it they would have fixed it and a lot of the fights are really tedious and the same shit over and over again so you know this is fine no themselves have improved like the fights have improved a lot it's just okay around them it can still get a bit repetitive let's be honest oh yeah sure all right i have one final complaint okay this is a game about the most important fight it's no the previous one was actually the killing blow from this game why i would probably never play it right. i would just wait for this might seven be the more part interesting two complaint. yes i'm interested in your more interesting complaint okay this is a game about a boy named zach who joins a organization called soldier 
and is mentored by his buddy Angeal, and then mentors Cloud in turn. And during the course of this, he is told something called Soldier Pride, which is this martial, honorable virtue. Soldier Honor. Soldier Honor, yes, that's it. Soldier yeah, Honor. The exact, the exact quote is, embrace your dreams and whatever happens, protect your soldier honor. Yes. Now, I have a couple things about this. Number one is that okay. I'm pretty sure the organization of Soldier is like three years old when this game came around because Sephiroth and Genesis are the first ones. Maybe five years. So where the hell is um, this vast tradition of soldier honor coming from to begin with? But five secondly, years sounds about right. But yeah. Secondly, um, you are in this game a thug working for the Shinra Electric Power Company. You are nothing more than a brute for capitalism. You have no soldier honor. Any soldier honor you have is purely propaganda made up by. And this is not me reading the leftism in there, because it's there already. The guys that you work for yeah. are fucking shitheads trying it's, to destroy it's very the much planet. In the game already. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's it's You start this game conquering Wu Tai. We're fighting for their right. own freedom. They're an independent organization. Right. They don't want anything part of your global planet. The, and there's your a best friend at the very start. Your best friends happens. are various super soldiers built by this company. Yeah. To wipe out people more efficiently. What soldier honor? Right. You don't got fucking shit of soldier honor. Zach, you were completely yeah, up your own ass. Shit. <laughs> yeah, so so that is that is uh I'm that is an interesting complaint. And uh I would flip that on you a little bit, and I'd say okay. that's actually something I like about Crisis Core a lot. Because okay. I think that's a huge part of Zach's character arc is him coming to realize like yeah, this was kind of bullshit. Because like you say, the game does start at the very start with you conquering Wutai, and Wutai have not really done anything wrong. And then Zack has a conversation with one of the other, like, uh, I think it's like a lieutenant commander, question mark, from Wutai, where they basically say, like, oh, you're invading our land. What the fuck are you doing here? And Zack's like, oh, yeah, well, I heard that we wanted to give you Marco energy and you didn't like that so you attacked us before even hearing us out and then they say oh you're, you're full of shit you don't know what you're talking about and at that point Zach's like well I mean you know there might be some truth to what you're saying but I've made my choice I'm with Shinra and I'm gonna stay with Shinra and you know they they fight and Zach decides I'm not gonna kill you you know and they're like oh well as long as I'm alive I will fight Shinra and Zach's like oh okay you know, that's, I don't think that's, I don't think that's the right thing to do. I don't think I'd go home feeling better about myself if I did that. And then as the game goes on, you still see that sense of like heroism kind of bestowed in him. But as you get to Nibelheim, like that's when he's kind of like basically everything around them collapses because they're realizing like you said, it was all propaganda. It was all bullshit. Like, you know, even like it, it started out with, like, Lazard, Angeal, Sephiroth, all saying, like, oh, we're totally loyal to Shinra. We're, like, you know, we're fighting for our... Uh, it's not really a country, but we're fighting for Shinra. They are we're a doing... state at this point, so... They yeah. are a state at this point, but we're, we're fighting for our government. state. Yes. They think they're doing the right thing. And then, over time, each of them have doubts about it. So, like, 
uh, Angeo's doubts are not told well at all. I hate that part. Like, Angeo yeah, he turns evil for no reason whatsoever. He turns evil for no reason. Yeah. Then he turns good for no reason. Then he turns evil for no reason again. And then you kill him. Like, it's... Angeo's like, character he, is not written well. It's like... Like, he's, it's, he's largely just pursuing self-interest, but the game doesn't really make any any effort to explain what his self-interest is. That's the prop. Yeah, that's the problem, is like... This game is a perfect... I've been saying for a long time that Nojima is the most brilliant but inconsistent writer I've ever seen. Like, and I think this game perfectly encapsulates his inconsistencies. But, um, yeah, basically, Angel, unfortunately, is, was not written well in the original. It's still not written well. That hasn't fixed it. But then, um, you know, Sephiroth is written brilliantly. And Lazard is... He's alright, I guess. But, you know, each of them start to have their doubts, and the seeds of doubt get sowed over time as basically they're trying to clean up the company's mess, and over time it becomes clear the company's not that interested in helping them, and there's a lot of corruption going on. And it gets to the point where, just before Nibelheim, Sephiroth says, you know, look, at this point I'm done with these guys. Like, you know, depending on what happens, I might just quit Shinra completely. And little did we know, he did quit Shinra in a massive way, but um, you know, quiet Zach's quitting. That's about... Sephiroth. <laughs> no, unquiet Zach's quitting. Just... I guess he very loudly quit. It's a it's a very protracted resignation. You know, it goes on for years, and he is quiet for most of those years. Um, the fact that he's dead for most of them may have had something to do with that, but you know, it's setting fire to a town is not Zach... quietly quitting. But that's not the quiet like, part. The quiet part is like, I mean, there's like five years between him uh, him setting fire and then killing the president. Okay, attack now was going. So anyway, so so when then Zach at that point, like you know, he confides in Cloud, and Cloud, you know, still being the little dork he is, he's still too shy to oh, take his mask off and talk to Tifa and thank her for rescuing him. Um, you know. And then, like, you know, and Zach, like, sees a bit of himself in that, where he says, like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of really, like, you know, all this time, I've been all wishy-washy about this company that I've been, like, backing 100%, like, unquestionably. And that was the wrong way to do it, you know. So I was maybe slow to pick up on that, is uh, I should have all this time realized there was something wrong here. I shouldn't have been just you know, like, doing this for the corporation as it was, right? And, you know, and his story and his story arc ends up in a really inspiring way because, you know, he does become a hero, but not in the way he'd expected to be. Like, he wanted to become a hero from, you know, he wanted to be one of those who won the Wu-Tai War and could come home to his quote-unquote country and say how, you know, like you know be talked about in the papers about how wonderful he was and all the glory he had and then all that happens is Kunsal saying him saying to him yeah the papers talk about Sephiroth they don't mention you at all and he was a little disappointed by that and at the very end he was like I'm not being a hero to pursue glory or to pursue like you know how people look at me after that because you know no one even knew Zack existed after that point well they knew he existed they just they didn't know they thought he'd been killed in action. They lied about what happened to Zack. But, like, you know, 
and he does become a hero in the you know he heroically gives his life for the planet you know and it's a really inspiring story about how a guy who's always pursued heroism and he's juxtaposed against genesis that pursued heroism for the wrong reasons genesis just wanted to be a hero to get all the glory and all the fame and all and have people adore him or whatever wasn't he doing it because he believed the goddess shit in his poem was that like well, a... yeah, that's that's the other component yeah, to it. It's yeah, like Genesis uh, completely lost his shit. Um, yeah, but... Uh, but yeah, uh, this this game, there, there is an interesting idea here. It is very large, largely a story about uh, people who have become disillusioned with their lot in life, and you know, they all die or go insane or both because of it. Yeah, uh, and gets... there's something interesting here, but it is told not very well. I agree. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. Like, um, you know, so I would I would basically coming back to what you said, Blue. I would kind of flip like that criticism of the game story and say that's actually like one of the things I really like about it. But then I'd come back again and say, yeah, and it wasn't communicated very well. Like, you know, so I'll give you an example of, like, why people hate Genesis and why people really like Sephiroth. So, with well, Sephiroth... It, it's obvious, just look at the two. I mean, one is well, just, one that, is just that, immensely that, hotter than the other. That, that, that's, that's the first okay, thing. Okay, Sephiroth but, is very hot. Uh, I, I mean, this is, uh, this is the game where, where you get to learn uh, what he uses in his shampoo. Um, Lavender. Right. What's the well, exact with, quote? I, I could find it somewhere. Uh, well, Sephiroth, with Sephiroth, Sephiroth, what people really, really found interesting about him is the fact that he is a fallen hero. He is a Darth Vader kind of character. Where I what got it. Really I got it. Tech now. Interesting... Sorry. Go on. This is more important. The hair products he used are of the highest grade, made and supplied by the Shinra Company. He seems to use one whole bottle of both shampoo and conditioner every time he washes his hands. His hair, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. They are scented with 13 okay. kinds of perfumes, including rose and vanilla. Apparently, the scent in the air after Sephiroth, Sephiroth tosses his hair changes daily. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So, basically, like... The, the, the fan clubs really... are just so funny. <laughs> it is hilarious. All right, go on. What's really, what's really interesting about Sephiroth is that he's the Darth Vader kind of character. Is that he was a hero? He was, in fact, the best hero, and he, you know, fell from grace because Shinra suck ass and because Holder is a piece of shit. Um, and that's what, what really made it work is that they show you that in Final Fantasy VII. You see that because you see the flashback. And even though it's told from Cloud's perspective and it's bullshit at the time, you see Sephiroth, you know, he sees this giant dragon that Cloud does like two damage to and Sephiroth does like 900 million damage to it. Like, and Sephiroth kills it immediately. You know, Sephiroth is going around, he's this dependable person. He is, he lives up to his name and you see in real time him fall from grace. With Genesis... We weren't shown that, we were told that. It just, the game starts and you're told, oh yeah, Sat Genesis left the company. Nothing about Genesis, we don't know what it was like before, 
We don't know like why we should care about this. We're just told, oh yeah, Genesis left. Okay, you know, like there's no depth there. There's nothing. There's nothing that makes this work. Basically, like it's just Genesis. Just sorry, Techno. I I think we're wandering off from my complaint because there's a ton Um, we can talk about with this story, but um, my issue was more of a. What this story is telling us is a virtue or what they're maybe even trying to reclaim of soldier vir- soldier honor. Like Zach's like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go separate that from its original roots, which was total bullshit. I- I'm taking it back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to decontextualize it from Shinra's capitalist shit, and I'm going to make it purely heroic. I still okay. don't think any of that works because it still comes from a place of mad science and vast extraction and even then on top of everything else it, it really is just like what if cops could say blue lives matter and then save people and i still okay. I don't think and, so and on any level on that and that's and that's a fair perspective to have and i totally understand that point you know I, again like why i love the story is i think i think zach's I think Zach's story is very inspiring. And I think it is totally fair to say, like, yeah, you know, like, even though he did turn against the company, and the whole point is that everything kind of, you know, fucked up around him, and, like, the company abandoned him, and all of that shit, they, like, they did not reward him whatsoever for his service to that company. And even though that is true, at the end, like, yeah, he still, he goes out saying embrace your soldier on him that's like his final words basically so i think that is a fair you know what they should do have. the soldiers they need a union mm. they really they need do. the they union protection need... that's that's the real problem they gotta i gotta go don't on strike Shinra are very fond of unions no oh, they're not that doesn't, that <laughs> doesn't seem like a pro-union company they don't seem um, like somebody that loves minimum wages or hourly limits or health care any of those sorts of things i love it for the yeah, and in, in remake avalanche like, it's just like a bunch of socialists so. no but but that is an interesting point because the game brings up the fact that the turks are paid a lot better than soldier are and that's because the Turks have to do the dirtiest shit, and they know the worst stuff about the company. Yeah, they're the CIA so they're guys. they're paid a lot better. Yeah, they, they, that, that, is, that is the way to put it. They are the CIA of this world. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that is a totally fair uh, criticism to have. I would say on the flip side, like, um, if you look at, like, Zack... So, Cloud was Zack's living legacy... Cloud never talks about soldier pride. Like no. the whole Well, he was kind of asleep during thing. most of this anyway. But like so basically like the good stuff passed on to Cloud, not the soldier pride bullshit. Yeah, he gets uh he gets to have Zack's cool energy in the first part of the game and then uh gets to his living legacy is that he gets to go swing around the really big ass sword. Oh, right. and he gets to he gets to bang Zach's girlfriend. So, yeah, oh uh, yeah, potentially we'll we'll um, see how the remakes go. Uh, 
I still think that's going to be player choice, just like the original, but I don't want to talk about shipping today. Um, oh, so the, but, the but other criticism right of Crisis Core, uh, the other criticism of Crisis, Crisis Core that I've seen a lot of people make, which is another one that I wouldn't argue with, I think is an interesting point, even if it doesn't detract from my rating of this game, which uh, is an 8 out of 10. Uh, the PSP game was a 6 out of 10. Uh, like, the other criticism that I think is a very fair criticism to make is how it retcons Zack's death. Oh, uh, yeah, is this uh, tying into uh, 7 Remake, how this all adds up? We can, yeah, we can we can use this to segue into the third topic, but... Yeah, in, I also, in... we are starting to go quite long. We're creeping okay. up on two hours, so maybe we should uh, wrap this up coming up. Okay, so I'll get to this. Com- uh, basically, this criticism is that in the original Final Fantasy VII, Zack was someone who had four lines. He has four lines in the whole of the original Final Fantasy VII. And I know this because I just put out the, tra- the full transcript of the original Final Fantasy VII. You can look it on the wiki. It's a huge fucking page, and Woo! I'm very proud of it. Um, so he has four lines in the whole game. When he dies, it is unceremonious. It is, he's literally, the two of them are going on their motorcycle towards Midgar. Zach wants to see Aerith again. And then he's shot and killed by three people while he's not looking. They just kill him point blank. He's dead. There's no, like, there's no heroic final stand. There's no, like, facing down hundreds of soldiers, like, not soldiers, the infantrymen. There's no, like, grand finale. It's just he's unceremoniously cut down in his prime. And it's a very realistic ending for a real human being to have, you know. Because in real life, a lot of people, you know, even if you are living legends like Zack, you don't get to have a final dramatic word where you tell your best friend that, that they are your living legacy and you ask them, to say hi to Aerith for you and all and all of that shit. Zach got to say the cloud in his ending. Like, you know, you don't get to do that. Instead, you know, it's just three people go up and kill you and then you're, they're done with you, right? And basically, Crisis Core overly dramatized the ending of Zach. And I understand why they did it for narrative purposes because, you know, narratively, if this was your main character for the whole game, it does make sense for them to kind of have a really dramatic scene like that, which is a beautiful fucking scene. Like, I think, uh, I don't know if you have, as someone who didn't like the game, if you oh, felt the, the same way was, as I did. I thought the ending was actually very well done. Yeah, the ending was phenomenal. Like, it was a very good ending. But I think it I is think, a um, sorry. to make. I, I, do, I do think the way Go the ahead. game's, uh, the DMV system starts to crack up in that final yeah. fight, where those enemies, you could you actually could just kill them forever. In that original system, easily, yeah, you could play that yeah, infinitely they, they and get have, a high score, but it, it starts to they, break down. They have in a really also cool way. Uh, really, uh, really sped that up in the uh, in reunion. I forget how long it goes for in Crisis Core, but uh, it doesn't like last more than a couple minutes in the uh, in this version. Yeah, but the uh, the actual systems of the game starting to decay as Zack is dying, I think is a that still happens. I think that's a very yeah. cool yeah. technique. That's a very that's almost like a Metal Gear Solid yeah, kind the, of move. It's the kind of thing. Well, I was I wasn't going to say Metal Gear Solid. I was actually going to say it was the kind of thing they did back in the Final Fantasy VI days 
where they combine gameplay and narrative in this really interesting way. Um, but yeah, so that, so that I think, so the ending was like, is a phenomenal ending. Everyone loves that, but it is a fair criticism to make that they retconned someone having a really realistic death to saying that death has to be this over-dramatized thing where you have to go out fighting a bunch of people. But uh, that's in the canon of Final Fantasy VII now. They're not changing that. So now we can segue that into Final Fantasy VII Remake and where does Reunion fit into that? Because it is still ambiguous. But I do have a point. Uh, before I'm... we get into uh, into the proper remake stuff, I actually want to just mention one thing that uh, I found kind of funny. So, uh, uh, Square Enix uh, sent a bunch of uh, like special editions to a bunch of streamers. You know, the ones yeah. that are uh, big Final Fantasy VII super fans that you know that they tear up at like the ending and such. And among all of the extra tat and stuff. Uh, there's this little box on it uh, that has uh, do not open until the credits roll printed on it and mm. yeah so you know the streamers listen to this and they, uh, when they beat the game open the box inside it is just a handkerchief <laughs> okay. oh my god <laughs> that is really fucking funny um okay but anyway so how does, what does it do trolls? for what does it do for seven remake? Like, is do we have any clue as to what it's doing here? Did it change anything Sorry. substantial? No. Um, there are there's one interesting change, but not an important one. But basically, so uh, in in Final Fantasy VII remake, uh, Caleb Pierce delivers a very different voiced version of his ending with one word difference where Caleb Pierce in the Crisis Core ending says embrace your honor as soldier and Caleb Pierce in Final Fantasy 7 Remake says embrace your dreams as a soldier which we used to think of that as oh that's a mistake you know he doesn't like he's saying the line wrong or something like that no I think that's a legit thing I think okay I think them choosing to have Caleb Pierce re revoice his the the exact final stand i don't think it was just oh everyone hated it in the original so let's redo it no i think it's deliberate i think that they're deliberately doing that to say that this zach that did that had his final stand here is different from zach crisis core reunion and i think crisis core reunion is a prequel to Final Fantasy Seven Remake. Wait, I'm confused now because um, you've you techno, you've mentioned like four different versions. So the line okay. is different. All right, let's ignore the PSP. PSP's gone. You right. set set it on fire. It didn't happen at all. Caleb Pierce read the line two different ways in Final Fantasy Seven Remake and in this newest version of Crisis Core. That's what you're saying. He he read the line one way in Seven Remake and one way in Crisis Core. In this version of Crisis Core, yes. Okay, it yes. is one he word of difference, li- and okay, one word of difference. Everything else is the same. Um, every every line, I should say, is the same. The way he reads it is completely different. All right, completely different. In the, it's you know. So the way you he think reads it, this is an indication of 
like multiple universes or I don't know what it's an indication of it's an indication of Zack being different uh, yes I, I am at the point where I am leaning towards the alternate timeline theory but yes I think that was very deliberate I think they did that on purpose. I don't think it was just the reaction to how it was done in Seven Remake. Um, but yeah, so basically, like, uh, you know, Crisis Core, like, a lot of people before this game came out were predicting that it was going to be the exact same Crisis Core up until the very ending, at which point Zack was going to survive. And that is not what happened here at all. It was exact same events. The only change was a really weird change, which I think is kind of stupid. Basically, in the very, very ending, we're talking the post credit scene uh-huh. that uh, leads into Final Fantasy VII, uh, the one where you see Aerith walk out onto the Midgar streets, and then you see Cloud say, I'm Cloud, soldier, first class. To be continued in Final Fantasy VII. Yes. No, the, the whole thing is the same. And it still says, to be continued in Final Fantasy VII, not to be continued in Final Fantasy VII Remake, which is interesting. The whole thing is the same, except they used shots of Seven Remake Aerith, even though it looks stupid. Like, why? That was dumb. I don't okay. know why you did that. It makes no sense. Alright, so I am not getting any concrete crumbs, I'm sorry, as to what Square Nexus hand is moving here. Other than the fact yeah, that the, this... the story in this is uh, uh, is unchanged, uh, it is less likely that this has any bearing on what actually is the direction of Rebirth and Part Three, except for maybe hinting at things that they want to include in yeah. there. Because, mm. like, if you just wanted Disney. to catch people up on tech, I don't feel the need to have remade the entirety of Crisis Core for it. Well, I I can see uh. one. Yes, there's a market for Crisis Core, and also, if Zack is going to be a major part of 7 Remake 2, you kind of have to do this. 7 Rebirth. I'm yeah. calling it Part uh, 2. Also, but, like, want... who knows, maybe maybe in Rebirth there, there is going to be a side story where uh, where Sung decides that he, he doesn't want to get involved in any of this shit, and instead is just trying to track down the still alive Zack so he can finally deliver all of the fucking letters from, from Aerith that he intercepted. Who, who knows? I want I want Cisne to be in it. I want to find out what actually happened to her after Crisis Core. Um, I want to see her either in Costa del Sol or in Golgaga. I don't mind. Either Gungaga. way. Uh, uh, I, I do think anything else from the original that was only in the original still needs to be here. Um... But yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see what's happening with Zack. But basically, like nothing's changed really. Is they kind of released it, and we said, "Oh, does this tie into the original, or does this tie into Seven Remake?" They're like, "Yeah, you know, I'm not gonna tell you. You know, you'll work it out." But as for them releasing this, like, so the big topic of discussion around them choosing to release this now is a lot of people are saying, "Oh, does that mean they're gonna?" reveal the mystery around cloud early and to which i say well, they already, already did. fucking did that yeah, they they've all, done yeah, this exactly. now now this is out there's no you can't really do any spoilers about nibelheim because everyone knows it now i 
Yeah, yeah besides, uh, like, there's already the bit in the, in remake where Hojo Hojo figures out who Cloud is, and uh, while he does get cut off, he says enough to give it away. So. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, when uh, the original Seven remake came out, there's only a single part of the whole game that pissed me off, and that was that one line from Hojo when he's like, "Oh, I remember you. You remember a soldier." I was so fucking That's a mad. great Hojo I'm impression. Like, you sound just like him. <laughs> I was like, why the fuck would you reveal this now? Like, I understand revealing it now to an extent. But that's the stupidest... I, I don't know. I was really fucking Well, mad, 7 Remake but... is clearly... We've discussed this before, but it's clearly made for people who have played Final Fantasy 7. It is, it is a game yeah, it is... reacting off of your Final Fantasy 7 memories. And in many ways, literally conflicting like, with them. It is at war with your memories. And that is actually in the text there. Yeah, that's that's very much true. You know, it's like the same thing with, like, they said, oh, well, we can't do the whole suspenseful Jaws-style build-up of Sephiroth because everyone knows who Sephiroth is now. And, and I think they're doing the same thing with the Cloud Mystery. They're like, oh, well, we can't build up the mystery the same way as before because everyone knows what the mystery is now. Also, that so, scene where Cloud like, bumps right into Sephiroth's chest. That was incredible. Everyone loved that. Like, I still think it's going to be... I'm still really interested to see Cloud's take on the Nibelheim incident. And I think we're still going to get that. I think we're still... We're going to get something similar to how they rebuilt Cloud's consciousness. I just don't think it's going to be the same order of events. And I don't care about that. Like, that's basically... So basically, the whole topic of discussion is, oh, are they going to reveal the mystery? I'm like, they already did. And it pissed me off. It annoyed me when they did. I'm over the fact that they've revealed the mystery. Okay. So, to conclude, this game gives no concrete clues as to what 7 Remake Part 2 is going to have. It is improved. Yep. But not so immensely great that I think it is must-play, even with you guys' description. Yes. So yeah, therefore, I don't fair. need to play it. All right, good enough. We finally, we finally hit a conclusion. You don't have <laughs> to play only, Crisis like, Core Remastered. <laughs> the only hint, quote unquote, that it gives us to the future is not really a hint about like anything story wise. It's the fact that you know they've rebuilt every single asset in this. So like every model has been redone, every location's been redone. So like you know you're gonna get a good hint as to what stuff looks like. That's it. Like, you know, and spoiler alert, it looks really fucking pretty. But well, I, we I will say one that. thing. Like, I hate how Sisney's hair looks remastered. Looks like her hair is wet. Like she, she like she just got out of the shower and her hair is like just soaking wet in every scene. I don't care for it. Just before we move on from this game, like are we're we going to end after this. What? Are we at least agreed on Sisney? Oh, Sisney's great. No, the yeah. best part of right, the cool. original game. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, to me, it's second to Zack, but yeah, Sisney is fucking incredible. Now, Zack, honestly, when I first played it, he was really pissing me off. I, I think I finally mellowed on that version of Zack when I played Birth by Sleep, where Zack shows up. Okay. And he is a even more Kingdom Hearts character than he is already, and I'm like, you know what? This goofy remix of the Crisis Core theme song... I think I'm finally have my temperature cooled on this game. Also, speaking of Birth yeah. by Sleep, 
that is actually the Final Fantasy, well, the Square Enix game to play on the PSP. Because that is a full Kingdom Hearts game. It is not a slice of a Kingdom Hearts game. That could have been Kingdom Hearts 3. Where Crisis yeah, that, Core no, will never be anything more it. than a spinoff. A lot of good things about it. Um, okay. But yeah, so... so I am, that's our topics for today, guys. Yes. I am officially tired of podcasting. How are you guys? How about you guys? Oh, yeah, there's actually true. some other that's things I uh, hope to do today, and it's like 12.30. So. Yeah, so we, <laughs> we could save it for January. I, I wanted to do, like, end-of-year stuff. But no, I else? don't mean this call. I mean that I want oh, to go oh. out and do something in the real world. Oh, oh no, it's the end. Of, it's like the end of the day for me now. So um, Yeah, it's it's 1.30 a.m. in yeah, the United yeah. Kingdom. Yeah, so yeah. let's wrap it up here. Um, yeah, no, let's wrap it up here. Let's wrap it up here. Let's wrap it up here. Let's yep. wrap it up here. Let's wrap mm-hmm. it up here. I'm going to keep dragging this out because now I know I can torture you two by keeping this guy. Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm torturing myself. Was it halfway through one of those let's wrap it up here? You're just going to cut to the end music. No, no. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. No, I think we'll keep going with all of it every single second. No. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. This is the Final Fantasy Wiki Podcast. Our podcast music is La Montana de los Venice uh, Caballeros, which is the Mount Colt music from Final Fantasy VI, which was made by Expert Novice off the OC Remix album um, from Final Fantasy VI. And uh, I was Blue Highwind or Eric Fuchs. That was Technobliterator. That was Some Color Mage. Everyone wants to be done with this, including you. So we're ending now. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in January. Bye! Hey! <laughs>